Hello, this is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is on male sexual performance anxiety, impotence, that situation where it's all in your head, speaking to a gentleman, married 15 years, kids, several kids, going about his day, thinking, my wife will probably want sex tonight, and feels that fear. Oh no. What if I can't perform? And hits that emotional fear, anxiety, for an event that may or may not happen, that's 12, 10 hours away in his day. And it gives him a sinking, worthless feeling. And he shrugs it off. He tries to go about his day and take care of his business. But it'll pop up periodically during the day and give him that feeling of worthlessness. Fear and worthlessness. Then he puts more pressure on himself to perform. Doesn't help. Now what's really going on? I'm going to look at this with awareness. And the way I approach issues like this is with a couple tools of awareness, or another word for it might be mindfulness. And once you have that awareness, then you start applying some tools and techniques of changing the underlying beliefs that are causing us to create pressure, that are causing us to create emotions of anxiety and fear. These beliefs are causing us to create emotions of unworthiness and self-rejection fear of what our partner will think of us. Once you start changing those beliefs, the emotion changes. The pressure is off. The fear and anxiety is off. The worthlessness is no longer there. And it becomes a very liberating experience to explore and have sexual interactions. So what happens when we look at this situation with awareness? Well, just for background, awareness, one way to describe it is perception. I have a friend, he makes wine. He's been making wine for 25 years. He tastes at competitions and is a judge. He's a really down-to-earth guy, but he has a very developed palate. He knows things about taste that I can't even perceive. He'll taste a wine. He's like, oh yeah, there's blueberries and there's this and there's that. And I'm like, there's blueberries? And I'll taste the wine. I'm like, oh yeah, there's blueberries. You could say his perception is developed. His awareness is developed. My friend Adam does amazing card tricks. And I was very fortunate one day when he shared with me how some of those tricks are done. And when he's sitting there doing tricks, there's stuff going on and you don't see it. Now he sees it, he knows it. And after he showed me, I would see people do card tricks and I would know how they were doing it. Even if you can't see it with your eyes, you know what can be done with the hands and the motion 
and the distraction techniques to notice how someone is doing that. Whether it's taste or business analysis or a card trick, some people see things that others don't. They have a clearer perception of what's going on. This is awareness. We all have areas where we are more skilled than others. One of the areas most people are not very skilled, I was not very skilled, is what we'll call mindfulness. We are unaware of what's going on in our mind, our emotions, our beliefs. And because of that, we end up in emotional reactions, performance anxiety, that then affects our physiology, physical actions. And we're not sure why it happens. And essentially what happens in these scenarios is we keep falling for the same trick over and over of being anxious, anxiety, and these fear-driven beliefs driving our imagination. But we're not seeing how it's done, how our mind is tricking ourselves. We think we're doing it to ourselves, but our mind has taken on a life of its own. It's doing this dynamic repeatedly. But we're not seeing all the moving parts of what's happening there. Let me break down some of the things that might be going on in a man's mind that causes us to feel pressure, fear, anxiety, and at the end of the emotional cycle, belief cycle, unworthiness. And what I'm going to describe that goes on in the mind actually has several different elements to it. We might just see it as one thing, but when we see that it has different component parts and how they interconnect to produce those emotional reactions of anxiety and unworthiness, when you see that, you can then start to take hold of those parts and change them. Okay, we're going to pull the curtain back and see what's pulling the levers to our emotions. This is the key part. This is why awareness is so important, so that we can see those little parts all interacting with each other. The first part in the belief system is some kind of expectation of performance. What is it do we think we need to do in the sexual act? Well, the first clue is we call it performance, as if it's going to be scored. There's going to be a grade. We have some ideal of how we are as men supposed to perform in the sex act. And whether it's watching Hollywood movies and James Bond, where at the end of the scene they don't show, she's like, oh, James. She's putty in his hands. And that's the feedback, oh yeah, I did it right. Maybe it's teenage years learning about sex and you watch a porn movie the mind creates some image of what we're supposed to be as a lover is it really what our partner wants probably not is it what we really want also probably not but our mind creates an image of success for ourselves of what that performance is supposed to be and the mind projects, this is the criteria for success. We may not be aware of it, 
but it's there in our belief system. We hold it out and says, yeah, that's what I should do. The next thing that happens is we have another part of our mind. We'll call it the judge. The judge compares what we actually do with this image of success. If we don't meet that image of success of James Bond and the porn star, we are somehow less than. That comparison image says we failed. And if we failed, we are then a failure. Now, are we really a failure? No. We failed. There's a difference between what you do and what you are, but the mind doesn't clearly distinguish that. The mind just merges, oh, if I failed, then I am a failure. Moves that association right in. And when we have that belief that I am a failure, understand that a belief functioning in our imagination like that is like a dream. When you're at a dream at night, you don't know that you're dreaming. You might be chased by crocodiles. You're running for your life. You're afraid. If you're not aware you're dreaming, you really feel like you're going to get eaten by crocodiles. You are experiencing the dream as if it's true, as if it's really you. And the same thing happens with a belief. You experience it as if it's true and that that failure in the dream is really you when it's just a dream. The way our belief system works and our, and our imagination works, when we have a belief that we're a failure, we are essentially in this dream of I am a failure. It's a daydream. It's going on during the day. It may go on 10 times a day, 100 times a day. But in that dream, we are the person of that dream. We aren't ourselves. So not only is there a judge that says, you're not good enough, you're a failure. We adopt this persona of failure and we say, yes, that's what I am. And now we feel like that person that's a failure. And that brings on a feeling of unworthiness, of worthlessness. All our negative self-image beliefs, we are feeling them and the emotions that go with them as if they are real. Yet it's a daydream. It's more like a nightmare. But the emotions they produce, very real. Now, you can then shift out of the dream and kind of intellectually say, stop that. And you put your attention on something else. You try and focus on the positive. Well, if this approach actually worked, it would have worked. But one of the problems with this approach is it can lead to reinforcing the very problem of the cycle. I'll explain how that happens. The way our mind structured the exit strategy from this dream is, well, go perform to the level of that superstar. Focus on that. And then you'll feel better about yourself. You'll be the success. And you'll feel great again. So then we hope to become the sexual superstar or whatever it is, or just 
good enough. And that becomes the image we hope for ourselves and is the way out of the not good enough failure image. And so we reinforce, yeah, that's the kind of lover I want to be. That's the performance I want to have. I just want to be able to do that. And we really believe in that success image, which is the first domino where the whole chain of events started that the judge compares us to and says, no, you didn't meet that. You failed. We end up out of hope reinforcing the very thing that the judge compares us with and says we're not good enough to. And we reinforce it, says, yeah, that's what I want to be. And we reinvest more faith in it. We believe it even more. The judge says, okay, I'll compare you to that. Says, okay, you didn't measure up. And when it says you didn't measure up, it doesn't necessarily say you didn't measure up last night. No. All it has to do while you're going about your day is imagine yourself not measuring up. And this guy who's 10 hours into his day has imagined this a dozen times, 20 times, 50 times, not measuring up. He's done this mental exercise of imagining himself not measuring up 50 times a day. He's rejected himself, found himself unworthy 50 times that day. Or whatever number. Now he comes up to the event. Where is his mind going to go? His mind's going to go to that same loop. And because your attention, your mind is in this daydream nightmare loop, producing emotions of fear, anxiety, hope, unworthiness, you're not very present with what your body feels. You're not very present with the real experience going on there. And so your physiology, emotionally and physically, is going to respond to the dream you're in instead of the real experience, which would more likely lead to arousal. But your attention's on a dream in your mind, not on real life. So that's what you're perceiving and that's what you're responding to. Interesting thing about this loop is that when he imagines it, starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, his mind will race ahead the 12, 14 hours of the day in about a second and a half. His mind in that imaginary dream of a nightmare will fast forward in time right up to the point where he feels like a failure. His mind fast forwards 14 hours in two seconds, then stops at that worst possible point of emotional unworthiness, and then stays there. It's funny, in a dream, time stands still. Sometimes it speeds up and does hours in seconds, and sometimes stands still. Interesting thing, when you become aware and you start paying attention you notice how time warps and how this whole dream came to a standstill at this worst possible moment of emotion. And our emotional reaction isn't because of reality. It's because of a dream in our mind made of these projected beliefs and projected false images of unworthiness because we didn't fit this 
conceptual idea criteria of what success was in the bedroom. So all of these things come together. Well, warping of time, expectations that we hope and believe in are the way out of feeling unworthy and a failure. And yet the judge uses to compare and say, nope, you're not meeting that. You failed. And if you failed, then you are a failure. And a failure should feel unworthy and less than. And you feel less than. And then it stops. And that's before you even made it home. Or went out on the date. Or got a date. That's the way a mind dreams. And it is through awareness, or what we'll call mindfulness, that we begin to see these different elements in the dream of our mind. And we begin to wake up from being the judgmental player, from being the victim player that feels unworthy. We begin to wake up and see those elements and say, ah, I think I might just be dreaming. Or this might be my mind dreaming. And I'm being carried for this emotional ride. The interesting thing when you wake up from a dream and sleeping at night, you realize it was just a dream. And all the fear and anxiety you had about being eaten by crocodiles dissolves. Why? Because you're aware it was just a dream. If, and I'll say when you apply that same awareness to the kind of dreaming nightmare that is self-rejection of performance anxiety, you apply that same awareness, you end up having an awakening experience from that dreaming nightmare. And you're like, that was just a dream in my mind. Yeah, it felt real, the emotions were real, but it was just made up of images and conceptual ideas. The stuff dreams are made up of. But even if it's a dream, we react emotionally as if it's real when we believe it's real. And this is the important part of mindfulness and awareness, is to bring these aspects of perception, to be aware that your mind is dreaming to the present moment. What's important to understand about changing this dynamic is it's not enough just to have the intellectual idea of, oh, that's my mind going into this loop and it's like a dream. Having the intellectual idea is not the same as seeing it as a dream, being aware. And having the awareness that it was a dream in the past or it just happened as a dream is different than being aware that your mind is dreaming right now. Having that awareness at the moment it's happening, that this is a dream, requires more awareness, a clearer perception. Oh, And even then, it doesn't mean necessarily that the emotional change and the anxiety is all gone. Then it requires even more awareness and a clearer perception that not only is this a dream, but it's not even true. Because we can have a level of awareness that this is a dream that our mind is creating and projecting, but we'll still react and emotionally as if it's truth, as if it's real. So developing awareness takes you through these different levels of then seeing, oh, this is my mind dreaming and it's just making stuff up and it's not true. It doesn't matter. And you let it run its course of those thoughts 
without reacting to them. That's when you have enough awareness and enough control over your perception to not believe what your mind is projecting. This does not happen just because you listen to this podcast and you have the intellectual idea that this is what's going on. To develop this awareness takes practice, like any skill. And this is the development of a clearer perception. The other tool that you can apply is where you start to scrutinize and change the beliefs that these dreams arise from. What is this image of perfection of performance that we have? Where did it come from? Is that really what we want to be as a lover? Really? In the beginning of this process, when you ask this question, the answer is yes. That image of perfection, of of success as a lover that we picked up when we were a teenager, that is what we want to be. But we want to be that because our belief system says that we should be that. We're supposed to be that. And our mind has not proposed any other alternatives or any that we will really latch on and believe. So our reaction of our mind is to say, yes, that's what I want to be. But when we step back from that, I say, lack of a choice, we have a chance to start to consider other options. And that changes the landscape again. So what if you don't satisfy your 20 out of 20 times? What if you do it 19 out of 20 or 15 out of 20? But every time you're together, you have fun. Every time you're together, you have a great time. Sometimes it's physically satisfying. Sometimes it's emotionally really an incredible connection. Sometimes it's just tender and physical without sex. You're together. You may or may not have sex, but that intimate time has, has a whole, whole wide spectrum of experiences. Each one enjoyable, each one deepening in various ways. You're not afraid. You don't have to perform. You just have to be you and enjoy all the different aspects of you. If you change that criteria of what success is, now the pressure to perform changes. The judge doesn't have any standard to compare you against, and there's no resulting I'm worthless thereby. This is one way to challenge the beliefs, particularly the first domino of expectations that's part of this. you change the standard, the basis of comparison is different. And you're no longer judged in the same way. You don't feel the same pressure to perform. Now there's not a fear of failing. And that's just one belief in this dynamic that goes on in the mind that starts to change the whole way you feel about intimate relationships. This is a process of applying scrutiny and what I call identifying and changing the core beliefs 
that make up our emotional reactions. When you start doing that, now you're really changing the dream of your mind much faster. The key is you have to first become aware. Ah, those beliefs are there. What can we do with them? How can we change them? Specific steps on how to do that are in the self-mastery course on my website. Both in the basic series and the advanced series. The advanced series specifically I get into this aspect of beliefs. Of where we judge ourselves. But you have to first be aware and mindful that this is going on in your mind. And step back and see it kind of wake up from the dream. That's where it begins, awareness. Another thing that you can do is you start applying this awareness to what's going on in your mind. You look at how the dream of anxiety builds up to something that's 12 hours away or a week away in terms of being fearful about it and having performance anxiety about it. And you see how your mind's dreaming it jumping ahead forward in time and then stopping at the worst possible emotional experience and then just staying there. Watching your mind dream and then from that awareness, you then say, okay, and then what? You start taking manual control of the dream that has been running on automatic and dragging you along and you start to say, okay, and then what? And you start directing the dream. What am I going to do then? And then, and then. Another core belief to address is a sense of our unworthiness. The interesting thing about when we compare ourselves, say, in this one particular aspect of sexuality, and the comparison voice of the judge in our mind says, well, I'm not good enough, and we feel unworthy, not just about our sexuality and performance, we feel unworthy in our totality. As if our whole self-worth was measured and determined by this one activity or this one time. You know, we don't perform that well or not at all on a certain day. The judge in our mind is pretty ruthless about exaggerating and distorting things and the other part of our mind is quick to believe that we're worthless. And we take this one short period of time out of our day, and we somehow use that in our imagination to determine that's the totality of our worth. It discounts the other 23 hours of the day. It discounts the other seven days of the week. It discounts all the other things we've done in our life and says, okay, your whole self-worth will be based on this one event. Now, why did the mind choose that one event to score you for your whole self-worth in your life? You start seeing that that's how your mind's beliefs have been structured. And because of that belief, it's the dream you're pulled into and reacted to emotionally. You start to see that makes no sense. And we have a chance to start to use our common sense to challenge nonsense. The nonsense dream in our mind that is self-rejection. So this is the kind of way we can challenge beliefs and see that their structure doesn't make any sense. 
It's exaggerated, it's distorted, and helps us to wake up faster from the dreams of judgment, self-rejection, and false hope that they give us. And as we do that, both use awareness and this common sense approach to dissolve the beliefs we find, the self-judgments that are there, we change how we feel emotionally. We let go of fear and anxiety. We let go of putting pressure on ourselves. Or I should say it's not really pressure on ourselves. It's how our belief system of our mind puts pressure on us to perform to some unconscious standard. It's the mind putting pressure or these unconscious beliefs putting pressure on us or that we feel the pressure to perform to. But if we're unaware, we don't have a choice. We end up being dragged. So, again, these tools of identifying and challenging and changing these beliefs, coupled with awareness, these two tools change the way your mind dreams and thereby changes the way you dream and the way you live your life. You're changing the dreams, the daydreams, the self-judgment dreams that arise from your belief system. It changes the emotion you feel. The end goal, no self-judgment, no self-rejection, unconditional acceptance and love for yourself, no matter what. Or I should say not so much the end goal, but the beginning and continuing practice. Unconditional love and acceptance for yourself. No fear of rejection. No performance anxiety. Just enjoying life. So hopefully this helps understand some of the dynamics that happen in the mind. Shed a little light, awareness on what goes on in there that we hardly notice. Some of the structures, some of the ways to look at it, both with awareness of perception, to see it clearly, and some of the things you can start to question as assumptions and say, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense, to help you unravel yourself from these dreams of unhappiness. How to do this, the step-by-step practices and exercises to do this are in the self-mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. There are specific practices to develop your awareness and specific exercises in the course to identify the beliefs that we're reacting to emotionally and deconstruct them. So that's where to take the steps in a very practical way, a common sense way to further yourself along on your pathway to happiness. I want to take one more moment to address how we address, how we typically address issues like this, anxiety issues, performance anxiety issues, emotional issues. We typically look at it as a problem and we try to address it and change it the way we address most problems, the way we learn to address problems, which is how we learned in school. Let's go find an answer. Let's go read a book, get an answer. And then I'll know something, and I'll be right, and I'll get an A, and I'll be a success. 
this isn't a get an answer solution situation. You can't get an answer to how to hit a golf ball. It doesn't work. You can intellectually know that you're supposed to hit a golf ball straight. But knowing the answer doesn't make you do it any differently. There's more to actual doing, making your mind operate differently than knowing how to make it operate differently or knowing that it should operate differently. That knowing, that intellectual knowing is not the same as doing. So, and, and sometimes it gets in the way because it tells us, oh, I should be doing that instead. And now we have the same image of comparison that the judge uses to say, we're not doing what we should do. And we're in the same emotional loop of failing. So that knowing can help as much as hurt, depending on the way our mind uses that information, just like anything else. This is not measuring performance the way we hit a golf ball, but it's changing the dynamics of the cycle in which our mind operates. And this is a complex evolution going on there. I've pointed out several different mechanisms that are all happening in this chain of events and simultaneously. And there's not a paragraph you're going to read. There's not an idea I can share with you that's going to make all that shift. I could say, well, it just doesn't matter, and it doesn't. But that's not going to shift what your belief is. Later, when you're on the other side of this, you're like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, my self-worth isn't attached to that anymore. But as long as you believe your self-worth is attached to it, those words that would make a difference are going to be dismissed. So even if you find the right answer, the belief state that you're in will dismiss the right answer. Won't be meaningful. So what you have is a system problem in the way your mind's operating, not a math problem where you need to find an answer to. You need to change the way your mind operates. And since it's probably been doing it for more than a week and a half, it's been doing it for a while, it's got some synapses that will have to alter. And this takes some conscious attention. The other piece that uh, will cause us to go about addressing in the wrong way is we'll avoid it. Particularly because A, it's an uncomfortable emotional issue and we don't like to feel that way. When we put our attention on such issues, we tend to notice the feelings. And that doesn't feel comfortable. If we don't work on the problem, we won't notice the emotion and then we feel better by not working on the problem. Except it doesn't really go away. It continues to be how we feel. We just try not to pay attention to it. At a certain point, though, you decide, you know what, I feel it anyways. I might as well address it. I might as well go deal with the emotion and, and see about changing it with some of these practices and techniques. Because I'm feeling that way anyway, so you've got nothing to lose. And, and at that point, what you do is you get over the fear of feeling that way. 
And that takes a layer off by itself. So there's different approaches we'd want to take that aren't going to be effective. There's resistance to addressing it that will keep us from taking effective approaches that you may have to work through. So this is a, a nested set of agreements that systematically see, seems to reinforce itself and causes us to avoid or look away from real solutions. And those are some of the layers of resistance that the self-mastery course will help you work through also. And there's also my book, MindWorks, very practical exercises and a very in-depth explanation of how to address these very issues as well. Thank you very much. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com.